You are listening to the JTMR podcast. Visit our website at www.jesustomyrescue.com for free sermons, articles, ebooks, Bible study tools, Bible quizzes, and lots more. We share the gospel of Jesus to the world. Hello and welcome to the program which looks at the Holy Land. I am Paul Calvert. Psalm 122 verse 6 from the New King James Bible says this, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. I'm with Dr. Andy Woods from Sugarland Bible Church in Texas, and we're talking about Israel and the terror attacks that took place on the 7th of October. Now, this affected you, Andy. Tell us what happened with you. Well, we were on what's called a Mediterranean cruise. It was kind of an Axe-Paul type of cruise where we visited a lot of places Paul went to. So it started in Rome, and then we went to different places like, you know, Cyprus, Turkey, Crete, etc. And so we were scheduled to go to Israel. And then um, we were about, I don't know, maybe two or three days away from Israel. And that's when we learned about the war, you know, that had broken out in Israel. And so our captain, you know, obviously made a decision that it wasn't worth, you know, jeopardizing the security and safety of the passengers. We kind of knew that was going to happen because in 2005, the same cruise line canceled a, a trip into Israel because of one stabbing, you know, let alone let alone a whole war. And that was, I think I misspoke, that was in 2015. So we kind of knew that was going to happen once the news broke. So it was a wonderful trip. Nonetheless, we just didn't have a chance to go to Israel and I, I've been to Israel, I think, five times So I already, so I kind of felt bad for the people that were on the trip that was their first time. But nevertheless, you know, the Lord redeemed it, and we still had a good time. Mm. Uh, did you realize the horror that was unfolding in Israel? I did not. Some of our, uh, you know, guests, people traveling with us started to bring it to my attention, but I just thought it would be kind of like a minor skirmish or something. And then we flipped on the news. We had a couple of cable news outlets on the ship, and the numbers started to roll in. And, you know, I guess what I've been told, there have been more Israelis killed in this latest occurrence than any time in Israel's history subsequent to Holocaust. Mm -hmm. So we didn't, at the time, you know, it took me a while to process how, you know, how bad it was. You know, now we've got, what, 200 hostages and 20 of whom are Americans, etc. So I probably didn't really grasp the gravity of it, you know, at the immediate time it happened. Mm-hmm. Now, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has declared war. Do you see this as any fulfillment of biblical prophecy? Well, my eschatology, which is the study of the end, is basically what you call futurist. So my understanding of much of prophecy is it is it relates to the future. So there are a lot of things happening here that are similar in comparison to what's going to happen in the future, but they're not identical. So my eschatology is such that I look at this largely as stage setting. For example, Zechariah 12, 2 and 3 talks about how Jerusalem would become a burdensome stone that would send the nations reeling. And clearly we're seeing that set up for fulfillment because the nations, you know, are turning against Israel because of Israel's desire, you know, for the right of self-defense. And so I I look at it kind of as a chessboard. You can't really have a game of chess until someone 
sets up the board and arranges the pieces. So with that being said, I kind of look at things like this that are happening as just more setting up of the pieces rather than a specific fulfillment of prophecy. Mm. It does look at the moment as though, in one sense, Hamas has been very successful because this may actually push Israel and the world to a two-state solution. Can you see that happening? Oh, absolutely. You know, the unfortunately, Hamas and related groups are very good at propaganda. They don't really, these propaganda groups, you know, don't really cover the fact that the Hamas-type people hide behind, you know, hospitals and women and children and civilians. And so when those numbers start to roll in, look at how many civilians have died. The world, not understanding, you know, the propaganda element will very rapidly turn against Israel, I believe. And the solution to that is going to be the only way to solve that is we've got to impose some kind of, you know, two-state solution, meaning we've got to take Judea and Samaria and turn it into some kind of international zone or home for the Palestinian refugees, which to my mind will create a terrorist state within the borders of Israel. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now we have the scriptures from Ezekiel 38, Gog and Magog. Do you think that the church will see this battle unfold? Will we be here? Well, there's different views on that. The last time I looked into all that, I do have a little book on it where I go into all the different views that people can get. It's called The Middle East Meltdown, The Coming Islamic Invasion of Israel. And there's about seven views as to the timing of this. And there are many people that put this pre-seven-year tribulation period. Some even put it before the rapture. I'm really not of that persuasion. I think it's a battle or a war that takes place within the confines of the tribulation period. And I'm a pre-tribulationalist, you know, meaning that the church will be translated before the seven-year tribulation period starts. And so I'm of the view that uh, we're going to see a lot of setup for this. I think that's what's happening now. But as in terms of an actual fulfillment, I think that's something that we will see from heaven. Now, as Christians, do you think we should be calling for a ceasefire because people are dying? Obviously, there are innocent people going to die within this war between Israel and Hamas. But should we be calling for a ceasefire or will a ceasefire just be putting a bandage on a wound? Well, I mean, the last time I checked, the ceasefire was was in on October 6th and mm. Hamas you know, broke the ceasefire. Most people don't look at it that way. But when people call for a ceasefire, to me, what they're saying is Israel, you know, doesn't have a right to uh, root out, you know, terrorist cells within her own borders. And I mean, did we call for a ceasefire here in the United States after 9-11 happened? No, it was the expectation that we would go deal with terrorists abroad. So the same thing wouldn't happen all over again. And so... I guess what bothers me about this ceasefire mindset is we're imposing upon Israel a standard that we wouldn't live under ourselves in most countries. And so I'm not in favor of a ceasefire the way they're defining it, because to me, that will lead to more terrorism, you know, and not less. Do you think that's anti-Semitic because people are calling for this? Well, that is one of the things that sort of surprised me. I I thought when this broke out October 7th, the world would rally behind Israel, just like the world rallied behind Israel in 1948, the War of Independence, because we all felt, you know, the world felt sorry for Israel because of the Holocaust. 
I thought something like that would happen. What sort of surprised me is the amount of what I would call anti-Semitic rhetoric that's just filled our the mouths of many of our politicians and our campuses, very sadly, are ablaze with marches against Israel when Israel has been attacked. And so I, I do look at, at it as sort of stage setting in terms of Bible prophecy for the worldwide anti-Semitism that Zechariah 12 predicts for the end of the age. I think when you tell a nation that you can't defend yourself, I don't know how else to explain that other than through the lens of anti-Semitism. Now, I've heard from people that the Jews of today are not the Jews of the Bible. Is that correct? Well, that I'm hearing that more and more. I don't think it's correct. There's a gentleman who is a uh, geneticist, if I have that right. We actually had him as a speaker at Chafer Theological Seminary. He's an expert in it. He's, he's Jewish himself. His last name is Greenspan. I think his first name is Bennett, Bennett Greenspan. He has all of the medical credentials. And he says, of course, the Jews living in the land today are real Jews. I mean, he can identify genetically, you know, who's from each tribe, you know, Kohen, meaning priests coming from Levi, etc. So there is this belief out there that I'm hearing more and more that the people living in the land today it kind of goes back to what's called the Khazar theory. The people living in the land today are not true Jews, and I don't believe it. I think Greenspan's you know, expertise refutes that. Mm. Now, Christmas is coming very close, and I've already seen on Facebook that Jesus was a Palestinian. Was Jesus a Palestinian? Well, you know, I was in Bethlehem a few years ago and visiting you know, the historic place where Jesus was born, as, as we know. And I remember walking out. There was a very uh, prominent, it looked like a giant mural or picture, and it said, you know, welcome to Bethlehem. We were the first to greet him, Jesus, you know, being the first Palestinian. (laughs) And so that's the first time I'd ever, you know, heard this idea that Jesus was a Palestinian. My understanding of Palestinian is that's a term that comes into existence by Emperor Hadrian, who came to power in Rome about A.D. 117. And he wanted to, after Israel had been kicked out of the land in A.D. 70, he wanted to pretend that the Jews were never in the land at all, and he wanted to de-Judaize the land. And so he actually came up with a term called Palestinian, derived from Philistine, trying to sort of mock the Jews by making by naming that land after one of their ancient enemies, the Philistines. So my understanding of Palestine is it's a second century term long after Christ, you know, ascended back to heaven. And so my understanding is Jesus was not a Palestinian. That would be a taking a second century concept and reading it back into the biblical text. When you look at Christ's genealogy, both the one in Matthew 1 And Luke 3, you'll see that he's genetically related, going back to David, and then going back to Abraham. And so Jesus was Jewish. He was a physical descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which means he was not Palestinian. Mm. Are you seeing a rise in anti-Semitism today in America? And do you think this will cause many Jews in America to come back home to Israel? I am seeing a surprising and frightening, you know, 
rise of anti-Semitism. I didn't think, that's one of the great surprises to me, I didn't think this would happen on our university campuses and all of these demonstrations, etc. In my opinion, the character of the United States is changing. It's very different than the days of George Washington in 1790, where he visited the Toro Synagogue there in Newport, Rhode Island, and he worshipped along with it's the first synagogue built in the United States, and he worshipped there as a guest, and he wrote to that synagogue the same day a famous letter, which has been quoted in a few Supreme Court cases, but he says, he quotes the scripture, he says, here in America, you know, concerning the stock of Abraham, you'll be able to, you know, live under your own vine and fig tree, and none shall make you afraid. And so historically, the United States has always been kind of a refuge for the Jewish people after everything they've experienced in worldwide dispersion. And so I'm seeing the character of my country changing. And I think as God is allowing that to happen, I agree with you that it's sort of an impetus for many Jews to leave formerly friendly countries and go back to the land of Israel. And so God is actually using these things to regather the Jewish people into their ancient homeland right on schedule for his end time program. Are we seeing a lot of end time prophecy coming about within our generations? Yes, I think the stage is being set like never before. The last thing we were talking about would be an example of it, the return of Israel to her ancient homeland. We talked a little bit earlier about the setting of the stage for the Gog and Magog invasion, an invasion from the far north, featuring Russia, Turkey, and Iran into the land of Israel. Those nations are in their proper prophetic orbit. Even this technology that we're using right now, I see that as stage setting because the whole world you know, is going to see the two witnesses in Jerusalem involved in their ministry, Revelation 11. That's a strange prophecy until modern times where we have technology where, you know, I can see what's going on in the city streets of Jerusalem just by, you know, going to the internet. And here you and I are talking. You're in Israel. I'm in the United States. And we're just having a conversation as if two people, you know, sitting across the table, mm. having a, a glass of iced tea together. So there are, there are multiple things that are in play. And what's interesting is they're all coming together simultaneously and so that's why I think we're living in, you know, messianic prophetic times. Uh, now you do a weekly teaching called Pastor's Point of View. Tell us a bit about that and how can people get a hold of that? Well, we started that in um, 2016. And we started it because we wanted to start talking about some issues that typically don't get addressed from the pulpit. So we started Pastor's Point of View show. We started it as a Facebook Live but then we moved it to sort of archiving it on YouTube. And it was during a time when the Obama administration at the time was sort of turning against Israel in the United Nations Security Council. And we started to see unfavorable rulings against Israel that the United States was supporting that we as a nation have never supported before. And so we wanted to talk about it. And that just sort of dovetailed into kind of doing a weekly update making people aware of what's happening, of prophetic significance around the world. People can get that on my YouTube channel. Just go to Andy Woods Ministries on YouTube. They can get it on Rumble, Andy Woods Ministries on Rumble. We encourage people to go to our app and get that. 
where we upload pastor's point of view and our other teachings regularly. Just go to wherever it is you get your, at the Apple store, I guess, and type in Andy Woods Ministries and you can, you know, freely download the app and then go to our website, andywoodsministries.org. And right there on the homepage, there's a conspicuous way to sign up for our newsletter, which basically consists of the show notes and the links that we um, read from every single week on pastor's point of view. You know, these articles sometimes are so large, we, we can only cover tidbits of them, but we will send you the links to those articles where you can do your own research and be kept up to speed prophetically. What is your prayer finally for Israel at this time? Well, of course, what comes to mind is Psalm 122, verse 6. <laughs> you know, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I look at this whole thing as a spiritual conflict. I believe that Satan is trying to eradicate not just the nation, but every Jew on planet Earth. And he does that because he believes he can stop God's prophecies from happening. He knows enough about prophecy to know that God has decided to bless the world through the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so Satan has declared war on the Jewish people. So I guess my prayer is that God, as he's promised to do, would continue to sustain them and encourage them in the midst of that great spiritual warfare that they're under, and that God's purposes for the Jewish nation will reach their uh, realization. Well, Dr. Andy, thank you very much for joining us today. It was wonderful to talk to you. Well, always wonderful to make a new friend, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Pray that God will move by his mighty power in the Holy Land and bring his peace. Thank you for listening to this JTMR podcast brought to you by Jesus to My Rescue Ministries and Outreach. Visit our website at www.jesustomyrescue.com for more great content that will help you grow in your relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. If you need prayer, send us a WhatsApp to plus two seven double six four six eight three six three five. Alternatively, send us an email to support at jesustomyrescue.com. You can also find us on most social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, TikTok and many others. Just search for Jesus to my rescue. God bless you. Bye-bye.